Uh, Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, that's where we're going to be. So turn to that, Matthew 5, 21. Matthew 5, 21. And uh, we have one more meeting in 2018. Hard to believe. Two weeks from now, December the 4th, uh, 14th. Sorry, December the 14th. Uh, and sometimes, like this week, somebody calls me and asks for some content that I did a week before or some other time. All that stuff's on the website, uh, ironleader.org, whether it's the video or whether it's the printout of what I've said or whether it's the audio of what I've said. Uh, so, And occasionally we put a little mic near your group and it picks up, you know, your questions and stuff. Uh, so... Uh, all right, our topic this morning, big topic, uh, and a very important topic, anger. So we're, what we're trying to do is just we're trying to look inside and ask ourselves how, how we're doing inside. And, uh, you know, add something like a spiritual discipline, humility, or, or extract something like pride or anger. Uh, so that whatever situation we find ourselves involved with, we're more capable of handling that situation. And one thing that really is a handicap for a lot of men, uh, some women, but it tends to be more of a man issue, is not being able to appropriately handle anger. And so that's the topic this morning. And um, so, you know, the Hulk, he's always a little angry, and of course sometimes that seems beneficial, other times not so much. <laughs> so that's the problem with anger, is it gets out of control, and you overreact, even towards your enemies, or you can't control it, and you, you beat up your friend. A lot of times that's your, your wife, your kid, a coworker. Uh, you're standing near at a time where there's all this frustration and you, you just can't get rid of it in the right way, so you get rid of it on somebody that you love. Uh, so we're going to talk about that from Matthew chapter 5 this morning, and Craig Wheeler is going to start us this morning with a word. Amen. Thank you, Craig. So the Sermon on the Mount is like wisdom literature. So when you hear wisdom literature, you're going to think mostly Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. So how do you live in this world as a Christian? And the way I think about it is how do you live along the grain of the way God has uh, or ordered the world? So basically, God's saying, hey, I've ordered the world in a certain way, and it's just easier if you live along the grain. If you, you know how it is, you run your hand against the grain of the wood, you're going to get splinters. And if, even if you're not a Christian, if you would just live along the grain, your life would be easier. And so Jesus is picking up this idea from the Old Testament, and he's now giving wisdom literature in the Sermon on the Mount. He's telling people, okay, I'm, I've told you about myself, but I'm going to tell you how you live along the grain. How do you handle anger? How do you handle lust? How do you handle money? All these things, how do you live along the grain? And, of course, when we think about this uh, and we think about Proverbs, uh, Proverbs has a lot to say about anger. And Jesus, when he talks about living along the grain in the Sermon on the Mount, the very first topic he takes up is anger. 
Now, I don't think that's accidental. I, don't, I mean, he could have put, in, put it in any order, but the very first thing he wants to address for his disciples is how they handle their anger. So let's just remember some of the wisdom literature from Proverbs. He who is quickly angry will do what is foolish. So just live along the grain. If you're getting quickly angry, just know I'm just about ready to do something foolish. So I've got to do, I've got to find myself in a different place pretty quickly. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I mean, every guy in here can think of multiple times you've been guilty of it. You walk into your house, you walk into a situation, you go, I, if I had just not said anything, we'd be in a lot better place. But just me saying it, or and not, it might not even be the actual vocabulary, it was my demeanor, it was my tone, and now what was a small problem is a bonfire because I poured gasoline on it. Proverbs, the only reason I'm really familiar with how this works is because I've done it so many times. Proverbs 16, 32, better a patient man than a warrior. A man who controls his temper is better than one who can take a city. Proverbs 19, a hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. And if you keep rescuing this person, you're going to have to do it again and again. In other words, if you, if you rescue the person from their anger, they're never going to learn how to deal with it, and you're just going to have to keep rescuing until they learn how to deal with it. Proverbs 22, don't make friends with one who's easily anger, or you're going to learn their ways. You know, you're fine. You get around a bunch of people who aren't fine. Now you're not fine. So you got to be careful of, about who you're associating with. So uh, Jesus picks up on this wisdom literature, gives it uh, himself. And let's look at Matthew uh, 5, 21, this little section of five verses. You have heard it said that it was uh, uh, said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. So this is what you've heard. But I'm saying to you, verse 22, that everyone who is angry with his brother... And probably in your Bibles, there's a little mark there, a number, a letter, an asterisk. And probably what should be filled in there, it's down in the bottom of your notes in your Bible, it says, without cause. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother without cause will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hell of fire, to the hell of fire. So, okay, so, transition, if you're, you're offering your gift at the altar, in other words, if you're at the worship service, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there. Every pastor likes that. I mean, you come, basically, come, leave your gift before you do anything else. Leave your gift there uh, and um, before the altar and go, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. So we've got your brother, and now we've got your accuser while you're going to, with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you're put into prison. Truly, I say to you, you'll never get out until you have paid the last penny. So that's his little piece on, on wisdom literature. And I want to just talk about it in these three ways, um, how Jesus addresses this. The very first thing he does in these first two verses is he destroys any hope of self-salvation. 
And the reason I say it that way is because what happens so often is people say, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm not really that bad. It's not like I've murdered somebody, right? You hear that? And you might not fill it in that way, but you say something, well, it's not like I've, and you pick some kind of extreme, and Jesus is trying to come into this group of people and say, I'm not talking about the condition of your outward behavior as much as I'm talking about the condition of your heart. And he does this with lust. You know, you can say, well, it's not, it's not like I've slept with another woman. Yeah, well, that's not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about the lust in your heart. I'm concerned about the anger in your heart. So he's trying to move to the inside so nobody feels like they get off the hook. Like, well, I haven't murdered anybody, so I must be okay. So he's destroying that idea, and he just sends this nuclear missile to that and says, I'm not talking about your, your physical activity here. I'm talking about your emotional actions. And so apparently the person who is angry and insults somebody is in the same danger as somebody who murders. You're in danger of hell, it says. So he couldn't have been any more clear that just calling someone a fool, calling being angry without cause, you're in great danger of hell itself. So we want to take this seriously, and you just notice the progression. First, you're angry, and then you insult. Right? I get angry, something happens, and then I, I react. I'm angry, and then I have an outburst. This is how it works. And so the first thing I want to just ask myself about this is, well, should I just, is it never okay to get angry? I mean, it's just anger itself is bad, so just got to avoid all anger. And I, obviously the answer to that is no, because Jesus himself, he, he gets angry. So there are appropriate times to be angry, but more often than not, we aren't justified in our anger or it's bigger than it really, really warrants. And so I just want to think about some gauges that you want to think about when you're angry. First of all, just from the text, without cause, you're angry without cause. Now, this is very difficult, I think, because when I'm angry, I always have a good cause in my mind, right? I mean, when I'm angry, if you ask me why I'm angry, I can give you a really good cause for the anger. It always seems justified. But you, I don't know if you saw the video that I sent you in this week's email. It was a little two-minute video from this counseling center. And this guy was uh, giving some advice of what to do when you're angry. And what he says is, get duct tape. You know, duct tape your face. <laughs> you know, he just uses all this language. It's kind of funny because he's saying, hey, if you don't do something extreme right now in your anger, you're you're very quickly going to move into a difficult or, or a dangerous place. So he's just saying, just when you get angry, start with duct tape around your mouth. Then try to figure out what to do next. And so, because so much of what we do is without cause. I'm, I'm angry at work. I come home and kick my dog. Well, I, I might have a reasonable uh, argument for why I can be angry at work, but what happens is it comes out on someone else. Comes out on your dog, comes out on your your wife, it comes out on your kids. So you just want to just re, the reason you want to duct tape your mouth is you want to think what's the real cause of my anger. Because what you're going to say immediately it's you. You are this person. 
And most of the time, it's me. My pride has been wounded, so I'm angry. You have wounded my pride, and my pride's the most important thing to me, and now I'm angry. But we're just so easy to go to the other, per- to point the finger, and we want to make sure we really understand what's the real cause driving the anger. And you're not going to get that there just on the first pass. So you want to take some time to figure out what the cause is. How about second gauge you want to use just on trying to gauge your anger when your anger is disproportionate to the offense? Uh, uh, James 4 says this, What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war? You have this internal war within you. You don't get what you want and you murder. You see, James is picking up, James, the brother of Jesus, he's picking up right here where Jesus was in the Sermon on the Mount. He's not saying, you don't get what you want and you're unhappy. He says, no, you murder. And he's not saying, you go take a knife and stab somebody in the heart. He's saying, you say, you fool. You, you, you have this outburst. And so it's disproportionate to the offense. You're the problem is inside, and you have this explosion outside on someone else. And so a lot of times when you have uh, desires, another, just a different way to say this, another way to think about it when you're angry, is I have an unmet desire, it's turning into a demand. And when that unmet desire starts turning into a demand, you can bet anger is in that freight train. And when that starts happening, you just gotta be, you've got to know yourself and say, hey, I might need to get the duct tape. I might need to go walk around the block. I might need to do whatever the, the things are that you do to try to process that. You want to be thinking about that because it all, and, and this is the problem with anger, it just happens so quickly. It, it's like you have some sort of stream or like, lava that's underneath and it just doesn't take that much before the top's off and you got a giant explosion and so it's something you really have to work out and there's a movie uh some of you have probably seen it the disney movie inside out you've seen that movie and so especially if you have kids you've seen the movie and it's basically about this girl who's moved and she's unhappy about the move and her her interaction with other people uh mostly her parents and there's the people, the girl and her parents, and then there are these emotions in her head, right? And one of the five emotions that are in this movie is anger. It's always a little red man. And he's always on the verge of, like, going off, right? I mean, every time he sort of gets to controls, he's ready to go off. And, and this is a little clip that is so perfect because it's really not a meaningful. They're just sitting at the dinner table. It's not that meaningful, but it just immediately gets into anger. And I know you've had this happen to yourself. But that ha- doesn't that happen? You're just at the dinner table. There's other things going on in you. There's other things going on in the other person. And just, just hey, everything okay at school today? And then, you want a piece of this? And it just you just blow up. And it's funny in this movie, but it's not funny when it happens in a marriage and in real life.
You see, it's funny in a Disney movie, but this comes to my office. Not once a year. And what started out was a discussion about dinner. You know, in two minutes, words get said that you can't ever take back. They're never going to be forgotten. They can be forgiven, but they're never going to be forgotten. And you inflict this damage. You make this dent in someone's soul. And especially in the soul of a child, they might be spending the rest of their lives trying to work out that dent. So when Jesus talks about anger, he wants us to take it seriously. And especially as men, because we're the ones who have a disproportionate compared to females dealing with that emotion. And so we want to just make sure as we, as we find ourselves getting angry, we're, we're checking the gauges first to see if what we're going to say, if what we're going to do is the right thing or the right time. Ephesians 4, 26, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So what happened in this little clip is there's, there's a whole freight train of anger that comes out in one moment. They've got all these issues that, they, that are unresolved, and they're just ready to explode, and this was the moment. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we dealing with it as it comes up? Or are we stuffing it? And then it just kind of burst out in an explosion. Frederick Beekner is a theologian. He writes this, of the seven deadly sins, remember there are seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. It's fun to lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of a bitter confrontation still to come, to savor the last morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back, in many ways is a feast fit for a king. So you're angry and you, you have a conversation in your head over and over and over about that anger. It's like a meal. You just replay that conversation with your dad or your mom who's now dead. You replay at work a conversation you had with your wife over and over. Here's how he concludes. The chief drawback is that you're wolfing down yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. See, you're eating yourself up in your anger. You think you're destroying this other person in your mind with this anger, that, this play that you're having. But really, you're just eating up your own soul. So you have anger, and then you have this outburst. You, you call somebody a fool, which is a form of contempt. It's, it's, uh, in some translations, it says you're empty-headed. And it's not just saying, yeah, that guy's acting foolish. It's, it's saying, no, I, I, I think I'm better than you. You're not just a fool. You're an idiot, and I'm better than you, and it's a form of contempt. Uh, Dallas Willard says about this word, studied degradation of another. You look at the person and you study and you degrade them. You have that argument 
in your mind, you always win the argument, right? Do you not? You never have an angry argument in your head that you go, you know, I lost that one. Let's try that again. No, you always win the argument. You always fill in the information that makes your answer the zinger. You know, that you always, that's always how it works. And what you're doing is it's studied degradation of another person. You always end up on top. You're always the hero. You're always right. And so then we, we feel justified in saying that you're a fool. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus picks this as the very first thing to talk about anger in his wisdom literature. And there's many reasons why, but I have to think that one of the reasons why is these men that he's teaching, they're going to start the church that's going to reach out to every corner of the world. And they're going to have to intersect people who are different races, different colors, different demographics. And there's going to be a lot of anger between those groups. And the church isn't going to be the church if the people who start it can't figure out how to not be angry at other people who look different, who act different. So the first point, anger is a problem for everyone. Then he demands that we take it seriously. We talked about this. You're in danger of judgment, counsel, verse 22, or hell. So he's, try, he's piling, up, piling it up, saying you can't miss this. And so it's not, it's not a moment here to draw back and, and, and make excuses for our anger, like saying, well, it's just who I am. I mean, I have short temper. I mean, that is so immature to say something like that. But that's probably come out of your mouth. And if it's not about anger, it's something else. Well, I mean, that's the way I was raised. As if, well, it's okay for me to act like a fool. I'm not angry. I'm just blown off steam, which is actually healthy. I'm not angry. It's these people push my buttons. Paul, you'd be angry too if you had this kid, if you had this spouse. I'm not angry. I'm truthful, and people are too sensitive. You see, it's all blame shifting. It's all getting the anger away from you, and the problem is always outside of you. We don't identify our anger as emotional murder, and therefore we don't, we don't have any urgency to take care of it. It's, it's not a big deal. It's not like I'm, I'm, I'm murdering someone. Well, you are, Jesus is saying. So let's just take a moment to identify if you're in any danger. How, how do you do in traffic? I mean, traffic, really, honestly, traffic's not a big life deal, is it? When you think about all your life, traffic is not that big of a deal. But I had a friend who had this Camaro, and on his dash in his Camaro, he had missile and bomb sounds in this little box. So when somebody cut him off, he hit the button, it was like, and, or a machine gun. You know, he just pressed the button. And it was funny. I guess it was better than, you know, ramming the person or anything. But just, th just think about how quickly you leave church and you get out on College Road and you lose your faith, right? I mean, traffic. How about politics? How quickly do you get angry at politics? How quickly do you just put somebody in a label and they're always evil, they're always wrong? How about social media like Twitter? How about if you're just dealing with a disagreement? You know the guy on Shark Tank? Kevin O'Leary, you know that guy? 
If, if, if you don't like his deal, what does he say? You're dead to me. This is the way Paul Phillips operates in his home. He, he gets some length of rope, and I'm not going to punch a wall. I'm not going to scream. I'm just going to lower the iron curtain, and my wife can feel it when it happens. My kids can feel it when it happens, and they know they're dead to me. Now, that's not a very pleasant person to live with. Now, maybe it's better than getting hit in the jaw, but just your debt, I'm emotionally cutting you off. I'm emotionally cutting you in half. I'm your dad, but I'm sorry, Morgan. Right now, you're dead to me. And I just move on as if she doesn't even exist or my wife doesn't even exist. And if I don't take it seriously, if I say, well, I just grew up that way or she deserves it or, I mean, a, a thousand different ways I can excuse my anger I'm not taking it seriously. I'm not hearing Jesus say, Paul, you're in great danger here. You need to do everything you can. There are lots of ways that we can be angry. Fathers, Colossians, Craig read from Colossians, don't provoke your children, meaning don't make them angry unnecessarily or else they get discouraged. Discouraged, the word is uh, where we get thermometer. You, you, you raise or lower their temperature. And dads, you do that better than moms. You're, you set the temperature in your house. So when you come in, I'm just wondering what the temperature happens in your house. Does it skyrocket? Does it freeze? Because you, you, you can't work out your own anger, so you're setting the temperature in your home. So we've got to take anger, anger seriously and then you notice in 23, 24, 25, he gives you how you're supposed to deal with it. These, this is not a thorough examination of how you deal with it, but there's just two things here. First of all, you've got to make it a priority. Notice that for Jesus, if you're worshiping and you have an anger problem, which is the priority? Your anger problem. That's, ama- that's amazing to me. I mean, he could, have put you, he could have put you in a lot of different situations, but he's saying you're worshiping and you have a gift for God and you have an anger issue right at that moment, your anger issue is more important. That's amazing. And what is even further amazing is in the text it says, if you're worshiping and you think someone has an issue with you, go to that person. It's not if you think, I've really got this issue with this person, right? You see what they're saying is you've got to take responsibility if somebody else is angry at you, not just about your own responsibility. So you think, is there any way somebody could be festering in some way because of what I've done? I want to, be, I want to step forward in that. I don't want to wait for them to come to me and say, well, it's their problem. If they're angry, they should say something. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if it's their problem, it's your problem. And as a Christian, you want to take the first step towards that. You don't want to let them come to you first. You want to go to them. That's amazing. Then it extends to your accusers. I mean, anyone that you, you have angered and you owe an emotional debt to. So you got to go make that right. 
this, the person's wrong because you're going to go to the judge, you're going to go to prison, you're going to go to jail. So you've said stuff, you've done stuff, you, you know it. You're not wondering if the person's angry at you. You know they have a right to be angry at you because you've done something. And instead of letting that last, you're going to go to that person and you're going to say, what can I do to try to make it right? Whatever that is, I want to make, make a, an effort. I want to keep a short account about my anger. I don't want it to go long, too long because then it becomes a problem either for me or it becomes a problem for the other person. Well, look, we could, keep, we could go on for another hour about anger. But I want to stop here and just give you a chance to get in your group of three or four and just try to process how does it, how does it work out? How does it manifest in your life? Now, it might be hard to say because, you, you know, you might not want somebody to know. But I think it's helpful to say out loud and then try to get some help on some of these things. So here's some questions you can uh, ask yourself and answer as a group. And then I'll close this. You've got about 15 minutes. Ready? Break.